0: Hit Vancouver in the blazing sun on the 9th of February 61 And from the 10th of February through till May It rained and poured all night and day The more they try to keep me down The better I live in this here town And the more they try to grind you down The better I like Vancouver town Hello and welcome to another special episode of Vancouver Places where we tell you fun, interesting stories about the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada that you must not miss. One time I will say Vancouver, British Columbia, Washington or something along those lines just to throw it off, but not this time. But for all of our usual listeners, our comeback listeners, you know that every 11 episodes or so we do have a special guest. We've done this twice before. And now that we're on our 33rd episode, which sounds crazy when we say it. We are we we've got another guest coming in, but as usual, we have our authors Dave uh, Dorgy and Graham Menzies. I will throw it over to you guys to introduce our special guest for this week.
1: Hi, Graham. Hey, Dave. How are you doing? Good. We got um. You've we've all met and chatted in a in a lovely outdoor garden in the heart of Kitsilano with uh, Michael Levinston. and um, he is a, a big fan of the book and is always promoting it. And uh, he's got a really a uh, Interesting story. So tonight's special guest is the, uh, I guess, curator, manager, kind of the uh, the main the main guy at the City Farmer. And I'm not going to describe more about it. I'd rather have Michael tell us about City Farmer. So a big a big welcome, Michael. It's nice to have you um, here tonight. Thank you. It's great to see
2: Graham and Dave and meet Mike. Uh, you guys have been at the garden, and uh, we love chatting with you out on the porch. Uh, all the staff love meeting you. And your book is always front center. When people come by, I I take it out and they buy it.
1: They tell me a story. (laughs) They come with it. It's a hit. It's a total. That's great. Yeah. Well, I I, um, was introduced to the garden. I've lived in Point Gray in that neighborhood most of my life. and I go by there. I see all the plots. And I knew there was something there, but I never went inside. And a friend of mine from high school knew I was writing this book. And she said, have you got that? Co-? Here's how she described it, Michael. We're going to kick out of this. She said, have you got that composting place in there? <laughs> she yeah. said, it's near Fun. It's near Fifth and Maple, I think. Is that where you are? Where, where, where
3: is the, the Maple? 21 to 50 Maple.
1: Yeah. And right. she said, they teach you all about composting there. And I go, oh, OK, I'll, I'll pop by. So, of course, I go in there and it's composting times 100. And Michael and uh, your wife, Joan, are um, lovely people and you're just so hospitable. It's like coming. It's like coming to your house, but it's um, it's an interpretive place. Not um, tell us what City Farmer is, because it's you know, you've described
2: it well. It's a very different place. And we're the hosts. We all of the staff, we host everybody coming by on the Greenway. And, uh, you know, this is a nonprofit society and charity, City Farmers Society. When I was 26, we started, I'm going to be 70 this
0: year. (laughs) I was about to say, what is that like three years ago,
2: Michael? Yeah, 44, 43 years. Uh, Bob Woodsworth and Risa Smith still on the board. 43 years ago, they started. Sue Fox came two years later. A lot of long-term people there. Our head gardener, Sharon Slack, is going to be 79. She's been gardening there for 20 years with no end in sight. We love teaching people about nature, about food production. We chat about the restaurants in the neighborhood. It's unbelievable. Just uh, yesterday, we do a lot with worms, okay? Worms are part of the worm composting world. And everybody wants worms these days to worm compost. And the price has gone up. We used to get them for $25 a pound. That's about 1,000 worms. You're now paying $100 a pound. Wow! The demand is ridiculous, and I found out recently from one of the sellers that's no longer doing it that he can't get them in from the states anymore. He used to are they go red, are
1: they red the wigglers? Water. Are they red wigglers? The red
2: wiggler, I send you fatita, and he can't bring them in. Something's happened with the Canadian food group. They won't let them in because of pathogens. Anyway, it's an ongoing story with worms. Which is every day there's a new story at the garden. <laughs> wow! Every
1: day. So when you began 34 years ago, what you said, did you ever think that in the year 2021 that the thing would still be going? Or was it what was your was your purview to run it for three or four years? Or what, what were your thoughts back when you when you started this?
2: In the last century, the 1900s, I never even thought about the year 2000, let alone 2021. That was something beyond Star Wars. Uh, really, from university, I was a very odd and I'm still a very odd person. I wanted something that was meaningful and interesting, and I didn't want to get bored. And so I did a lot of things. And when this food garden thing came along, I saw that there was such a variety of subjects related to it. Soil pollution, air pollution, development of community, different foods, millions of subjects, and it's never been boring for 43 years. you know, I got to tell you this. When the John Paul brought me his worms, six pounds of worms, it's fantastic. Healthy worms, we were putting them in. Had a young volunteer from Bermuda, a young girl. And I said, what have you been up to? Because he's close to my age. What he's been doing, this is the guy that's the compost guy, the worm guy for years. He's been developing what you do with bodies, human beings to bury them. So, you know, in Seattle, they've made it legal to compost corpses when you die. I know this may be. I did not a, know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And there's a company that is actually online now where you can put your body in and they will compost it and give you it back. Now, there's a second company. How long does that, that I didn't take,
0: by the way? <laughs> this is that a gruesome question? How long does that yeah, take? Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. What are you trying to find out here, girl?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm just curious. This, so, John, the guy that came to the garden, he's been developing this system, a composting system for another company that's about to open next month. It takes 60 days. They put you in with some alfalfa and some sawdust, and they throw oxygen in. And within 60 days, they take you, now soil, back to your family, and they have soil. It's a fascinating. You
3: know, yes. I think that's I'm actually excited to hear this. I think it's a great idea. I you know, I I'm not big on the cremation thing. It just I I don't know. I I but then like that burying part, I kind of I don't know. It's traditional, but it seems a little bit more organic. But it's also uses a lot of space. So this seems to me to be like right down the middle. It's out. compact and environmentally sensitive and everything but it's also a little bit more natural it seems to me That's it's a huge story
0: very quick actually i thought it would take way longer yeah time.
3: yeah
2: no it's a huge story and it's just about to break and i find that out at my garden it's typical of every day wow. at this big farmer garden i learned something so the bermudian girl 25 who's helping she says you know in bermuda they have these kind of stone bells and they put people's ashes in them and put them in a coral reef. And they that's how they put people out. In, it is a company that puts people instead of in the ground, they have coral grow on them in the reefs. So it just expanded. John hadn't heard of this either. Uh, yeah. People have stories, as you know. Well, That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I'm off topic here, Dave. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, I want to just go back to the history a little bit, because I think this started in 78, 1978. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And was it a, a, a vacant, I guess, a vacant lot down by the tracks?
2: We started not in the garden. The garden didn't come along till 81. We started okay. as a group of environmentalists that were hired by the federal government to teach people how to save energy. This was what we talked about. Too much energy. So there was insulation for housing, bikes instead of cars, And Bob and I looked at food, driving up the trucks from California. If you could grow salad in your garden, you were saving gas and energy. And that evolved into a newspaper. But in 81, we got this parking lot behind a new environmental building that Speck was in. They said, you take it. We dug it up and create an organic garden. We were a food garden before a compost garden.
1: Okay, my question is a lot of people that drive around that area will notice that there's all these like 10 foot by four foot plots that um, along the railroad tracks. So what is your relationship with those plots? You, you don't administrate that. You're a resource for them? Nope, they're absolutely independent. They came along after
2: us. Uh, a lovely elderly lady started two of them and just plot by plot. So the community, has those plots they each how many are plants. there are there 100 there are four different community gardens depending on your block maple cypress pine and they just go down and they're all administrated by their little groups
1: but there, there would be hundreds is that or, or i mean there's a lot and there's a few probably 100 to 200 i haven't got they are rented by people that then yep. plant vegetables and the, the people may come to you for advice or they may not but it's it's so perfect that if you're you don't know anything about gardening, you can walk 30 feet over there and talk to some experts. Yeah. And and um so that's I think most people that drive by there, they see all these plots and then they see your your center, but they don't stop to go inside and they should. I mean, I'm really hoping that some of our listeners will uh, pop by because it's, you talk about a lot more than composting. Why don't you get into some of the other things that you have there other than composting?
2: Well, I I just want to add. what you're saying is very important. Those are community gardens and allotment gardens. They're for people that live in apartments or condos, they have no garden. There's a massive demand for pieces of land like that for, they're just, the lineup at these gardens is huge. So as our city becomes densified, fewer people have gardens and those gardens are for them. And we're promoting all sorts of ideas. Now I just read one about in England that's interesting. You've got all these houses with seniors and they're not using their garden, people that don't use their garden. In England, they're starting to have a system where you can rent from people their garden as your allotment and there'll be a relationship with you, but there's a financial incentive right. to the householder, and there's a responsibility that the gardener has. This is, these are the kind of ideas that are coming Great up idea. in the cities.
3: Yeah. I know it's very big in Germany, too. Uh, Dave, you've been oh. to Germany a few times, but it seems to me that that's kind of a, you know, in some parts of Europe anyway, that the community garden thing is a, is a bit more of a, I don't know, entrenched way of, of living.
2: Europe has a much longer history, England, yeah all
3: over Europe. yeah, I think I remember reading by the way, Michael, that didn't you host uh, like a delegation from South Korea?
2: We've had South Koreans visit a lot over the years. It's been fascinating and but just this last fall, I was invited to speak as a keynote in South Korea, but obviously through Zoom, mm-hmm. to their urban agriculture program. They are one of the leaders in urban agriculture in the world. Their governments now put millions of dollars in Seoul. Into developing urban agriculture,
3: huh. so you're kind of a, a an expert on this around around the world. This whole thing about urban agriculture. You know, it's it's a
2: it's a bit. I'm it's a funny thing. As I've always said, my dad, who was a businessman like my mom, always waited. He always wondered when am I going to get a real job because this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of fluky. He lived to ninety six, and there was no real job. However. It's a job where people invite me to do things. So I'm humble about what it is. It must be real, but it doesn't really figure out there in the job market. You know, right. you say you're in urban agriculture, there's a few more people, but it's a weird job.
3: Well, well I'll, I'll do a bit more bragging for you because I think I read as well that uh, in 2003, the city declared uh, City Farmer Month at one point. Yeah. yeah yeah, city it was farmer a month not just wow. day that's for you michael you'll, know, you'll get know. if you're lucky you'll get you'll get uh you know mike day but uh yeah no, no this is a full month i'll never get a month you'll never get a month
2: yeah, there, was, <laughs> the, there was no key to the city he didn't uh, get a financial oh, okay <laughs> uh, get a worm to the city
1: got <laughs> a yeah, worm a red wiggler not
2: sure what we got
1: well what I find equally fascinating is that when you started this back in the 70s, that was, a, you know, a, a nice neighborhood. But now we're in 2020, 2021 and it is an expensive neighborhood. And just to have the luxury of having is it is it an acre, Michael, help the city farmer? It's almost a half acre. It's it's an estate. Yes.
2: It's a phenomenal part a, of Kitsilano. Uh, oh, and you're right. The neighborhood's changed. Uh, John at the corner. He's lived there since he, he grew up in this house. He's just put his house on the market for three and a half million. It's no longer a smoke small smoke. area of, you know, cheap houses. No.
1: And and, no. and is there there's no pressure to build a high rise condo where you are? I mean, the, the land belongs to the city and, and you have a lease or what, what is the yeah, it's so amazing? The I'm just concerned about its long term um, viability. I am, too.
2: I have to stay alive and keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, the city supports us because we help them with solid waste, which is garbage. We get people to cut down on their garbage so they don't have to pick up as much. And we work with the engineers who are fantastic. So as long as we have a relationship, they'll save us.
1: Good. But
2: but it's a very unusual piece of Kitsilano. It's not developed. It's wild.
1: And uh, people feel very relaxed. It is very unusual. And the plots of land that we were discussing earlier, whether there's 100 or 200, is very unusual, too, because they're next to unused railroad tracks. And I mean, it would be unusual way out in the Fraser Valley somewhere, but you've got this in the most expensive area of Vancouver, these plots just kind of like it's a farm setting. And then your urban farmer there is just the icing on the cake. I mean, I just think it is so unique in a city like Vancouver, in the heart of the city, in, in Kitsilano, to have this wonderful oasis.
2: It's a green zone. You're absolutely right. The community gardeners, garden are on a small boulevard piece of city land. And then the next plot is the Greenway, the city bought from the CPR. And then yeah, the Arbutus, the uh,
3: the Arbutus pathway. Is that what it's called? The Arbutus, called? Arbutus, Arbutus, greenway. Greenway. The Arbutus yeah.
2: greenway. So you've got community gardens on Boulevard city, uh, Arbutus Greenway on city owned land, and then city farmer on leased city land. So it's a big area that's very green.
1: Wow. And how many visitors do you, I mean, with COVID, gosh, we'll have to get into that too. And, um, talk about, you know, what changes you've had with COVID in an average year, let's not count this year. I mean, is it a uh, dozens a day or hundreds or is it seasonal? What happens in the winter time? What are your hours?
2: Yeah, we can't be Disneyland. We won't have the space. So, you know, a couple of dozen on the weekends yeah. and less on the week, it continues 12 months, uh, You know, I like to say our website, our garden is our local promotion area. You come and get the real stuff. You can taste the Saskatoon berries. Got asparagus up. We got rhubarb. You can taste it. Our website is our global and the reach is massive. It really is from the very beginning. You reach all over the world and then they contact us. So Between the
1: two, and there's only two paid positions, so it's pretty good. And the websites, how long has that been up and running for, the, the, the use of the Internet? Because what I'm getting at is when we um, first met, we were talking about, about the web. You know, you told me that you were kind of involved back before um, before Google and before, before Microsoft. I, I'm, I, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but when did you get interested in the web? Not the spider web. I'm talking about the worldwide yeah.
2: web. No, so I've been a, a computer guy. I'm amateur, but I was part of a Mac computer club in Vancouver. Fantastic older guys, so smart. I was always thrilled when I went there. And one of our meetings in the early uh, 93, uh, 94, some guy set up a computer and hooked up to the World Wide Web as it was developing. And I looked at that and it went on oh, my brain, because I'm a publisher from back in the early 70s. I worked on the university newspaper, Trent. So I knew about trying to get messages out. All along, it was We put out a city farmers. So I thought, oh my God, if we could get a website, we'd be able to reach all these people. So I went to UBC, which was the only place that had access to the web. I got four professors who I knew to write letters of support. And we were the first outside group, a nonprofit, to get to be on the web. Their tech people in their computer world helped me with every HTML tag, because there were no books and I was hopeless. And I got this thing up. And as soon as I got these pages up, I started looking at what parts of the world were tuning in. And it was like a stamp collection. Holy crow, there's this country there. And I just kept putting their color names at the bottom and growing till we got to almost 200 and I stopped doing it. Of course, that's Uh all the country. But that was the reach as a publisher, me in my pajamas at home. (laughs) And now everybody knows it, but in that day, when you'd had to put out a newspaper page by page, and I can give you the whole thing, this was mind blowing. So you were why. the
0: first nonprofit in Canada, or just in oh, no, general on the
2: UBC on the UBC system where? Oh, okay, get in. Like, no one knew how to do this really. How to put big institutions were able to put a presence out with their computer science world, but it was very few people were able to get on. We were all playing games on whatever it was. Some. Other program in those days, but wasn't the internet?
1: But but, so, but you've used it primarily as a tool to promote City farmer and yep. to use less resources. You don't use paper and you sell nope. the opportunities. Yeah, and that was around ninety three. So you you were well I into ninety four. Came on in on ninety four. Yeah. And what's okay. the, what are the URLs? You got a couple of URLs, don't you? Just why don't you give them out to our listeners, please? Uh, okay. The Cityfarmer dot info is seven days a week,
2: all year long, news from around the world, urban agriculture cityfarmer.eco is about the garden
1: okay one's international reach and one is i want to come down on saturday what are the hours is there a yep. program I'm on for my kids yeah yep. wow well that's such an interesting combination of you being interested in the basic simple nature of farming and then also having an interest in something high tech that and getting in on the being an early adopter uh that i found fascinating when we when we first met and we did the uh, the story on you
3: now, I just, uh, I know Michael's uh, sort of giving me a bit of a signal here about the uh, time. So I want to make sure I get in a question that I've got, uh, partially for myself, I'll admit, but for other people who may live in condos, what's your advice about, uh, you know, what, what's a good thing to grow on your condo patio? If you've got a tiny little piece of concrete and you're living in urban uh, situation, what would you suggest, Michael?
2: I'm not a gardener which might surprise you. I'm very surprised by that actually. Yeah, I'm not a gardener. My wife is, everybody around me is. I can mention a few veggies, but it'd be a little bit phony because I'm not growing. Everybody grows radishes, lettuce, all the easy stuff, you know. uh, But you really wanna, there's a million books, there's a million YouTubes on what to grow and how to grow. The most important thing on a balcony is sunlight. You can't be facing the mountains and expect to grow a lot. You've got to face the sunshine and you've got a number of hours is very important.
3: All right, I'll do that. Live. I've started growing uh, mint because uh, mint will go nicely in a mojito. So I was going to say, is the, this a
2: gin-related item? It's,
3: yes. Yeah, <laughs> yep, but, William,
2: alcohol stories at the garden are huge. <laughs> when we grew hops, we grow hops and make
3: beer. Huge popular. Yeah, so I, I was going to say that must be very that. popular for you in Vancouver. I remember reading about Do you still grow make beer? Every year we make beer, yeah. Yeah, and then there's and that doesn't have anything to do with the cob shed, does it?
2: No, that's just a building where our tools are, made out of clay.
3: Yeah, yeah, Mike, you need to go there and see this this cob shed. It's actually kind of looks like a Hobbit uh, building. It's like a Tolkien uh, sort of style to no it. Way. And it's made out of what, is that sand and clay? And then it's- That's correct. A bunch of saw, people put it all together.
2: And the outside of that building, Bill Reed, the famous artist, all of the clay that he used to do the molding of his sculptures, the beginning images of them, after he died, we were given that clay. So the whole outside of the building is the holy clay that Bill used to create the models for his big sculptures. That is fascinating. By the guy that worked for him with ten years, yeah, had in his garage.
3: Wow! Yeah. Wow! No wow. kidding! That's incredible! Wow. That's so unique. So, well, wow. And then there's some great ironwork there. Is there any stories around the ironwork that you've got?
2: Well, it's a fabulous Vancouver artist, uh, David A. Pan, a brilliant artist. And uh, he made this one gig out of our old tools in 99. And when the Greenway was happening, we brought him back, and he's made the Greenway gate out of every bit of iron we could scavenge. Uh, get from the railway guys who were quickly taking it away because it was worth a lot for recycling. And we'd get people bring us pieces. He used his torch and he put that all in spikes into the new gate.
3: Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I just thought it was attractive to, to look at. I didn't really know the backstory there. It has a history
2: of that railway. Yeah. Hmm.
3: Well, I know Mike usually asks for final thoughts on this. And be, again, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try and preempt you again, because I hate being caught off guard by that question. So <laughs> I would just say to people, um, you know, I went by City Farmer. I can't tell you how many dozens of times that I went just along the Arbutus path and just looked at it. Um, I couldn't believe it when I actually took the time to stop in what a sort of wonderland it is. And the stories about this gate and about the uh, the cob shed, and sitting on your patio there and talking to other people. It's such a great experience. So I really would encourage people to go and, and stop by and you know take a few minutes, it's a beautiful walk down Arbutus Path, but you have to stop at City Farmer. Uh, if you can, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. That's and, why
2: and, yeah, thank I wanted you to having. get
3: that in. I wanted yeah, to get no, that in.
2: And you three are always VIPs, welcome at the garden. <laughs> we can have hamburgers, drinks, any kind of food you want.
3: Sold. Okay. Well, Dave's always a VIP anyway. I mean, you know <laughs> everywhere, that Dave. everywhere.
1: Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of parting thoughts. Uh, first of all, um, thank you for posing for the shot. We it's in chapter of, in the book. I've got the book in front of me. That's why we we love doing these podcasts because the book's just one page and we can talk for fifteen yeah. or twenty minutes and, and really get learn a lot more. But it's chapter eighteen. And there's a picture of Michael and I believe Maria um, yes. there. And we're trying to replicate the photograph of uh, the American Gothic painting. Michael has a pitchfork in his hands and it's a lovely shot um, in front of the um, the sandstone building we were talking about. But my final question, and it, it's quite sensitive and don't, don't take this the wrong way, Michael. I don't want you to be offended in any way. I'm not really sure how to pose it. Um, so we were talking about the cremations and the wiggler worms and the, uh, the bodies decomposing. And if if you plan to do that, and I think you're going to be around for a lot longer. I mean, I think you're going to you're here for 20, 30, 40 more years with your energy and your your drive. But if you're being made into fertilizer, I wouldn't mind getting some because I think it'd be really good.
3: <laughs> Whoa,
2: what a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> but What about Graham and Mike? They, they're they going to have some pretty good uh, soil from them. I think
3: the yeah, ones I'm not giving sp- any to Dave, though. I, <laughs> I think really word. thought that far ahead, but, <laughs> you know, I don't I'll want have to have bear. a few more mojitos. But
2: you, I did tell you what he's been testing. How he, I Did I mention what he uses for his testing? I did say it, didn't I? He can't use humans, uh, John, who's been working on it in Canada, in Abbotsford. They have to use pigs. Hmm. So mm-hmm. all of his testing is done on pigs in Canada to get this system working in the States.
1: Hmm.
2: I know it's a strange, well. strange Stop. I am (laughs) am
1: just fascinated by all the stuff you do down there. And I, of course, was joking with that, but I just uh, apologies. I I didn't mean to insult you in any way. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all.
0: But uh, Graham is correct that I usually ask for last thoughts. I know Graham and Dave have already had their last thoughts. So, Michael, do you have last thoughts? You're the expert
2: here. I want to say I just think so highly of these guys for their book and the one that's coming out soon that I know about, because I get to listen to their readers, and I've told them we have people from England who, through COVID, have taken their book and ticked off all the places they've gone to. They've helped. They've helped people survive COVID from their work. They come. They take the book and they visit. Every place. So we all thank them for what they've done.
3: Oh, there, <laughs> there you, you go. Guys. You guys Michael, get praised. very kind indeed.
0: There you go. This is all came full circle. Okay, so we will wrap go this one up now, you
1: guys. can tell how interesting uh, this man is. and He's passionate, and it's a wonderful place to visit and just to, to talk soil and plants and just to get our mind on something more positive than the, this damn virus. So um, it's terrific to have you as a guest. Yeah, we'll thank you, guys. Wigglers. Um, so yeah.
0: head down to... Michael correct me if I'm wrong here 2150 Maple Street
2: 2150 Maple Street
0: at Sixth Avenue. on 6th Avenue so 2150 <laughs> Maple Street 6th Avenue in yeah. Kitsilano uh and if you want to check out the the website it's cityfarmer.info and yeah. also cityfarmer.eco correct all
2: right
0: perfect yeah. okay so make sure you guys you guys go down check that out meet Michael meet all the other uh fine people down there ask questions all fun and covid safe and outside so it should be all good um but as always come back next week uh for another episode of vancouver places where we tell you the fun interesting stories about the city of vancouver british columbia canada